Good morning and welcome to the table at Central United Methodist Church. My name is Matt Smith, and along with Linda Duhirsu, I serve as a co-pastor for this community and for folks that are gathering online. Chloe is there with you, and Sarnit will say a little bit more about that in just a moment, but you're welcome to reach out to Chloe if you have any questions this morning. We're in a series that we're calling Yes to the Mess, and be careful what you call worship series is one of the many lessons we've learned already in as we move now into week two. This morning, Diana Bone who is a colleague and friend was going to be with us, but a week ago she tested positive for um, COVID. And so Diana is not with us and we are so grateful for the person who was gonna be with us next Sunday who is with us today. And that is a colleague and friend, Reverend Mike Carroll. So we are grateful to have Mike with us. This is Mike. He's serving now as the assistant to the Bishop of the United Methodist Church in this region. And we are grateful to be in this together on this Martin Luther King weekend. We invite you to stand as you're willing and able. We're gonna open worship in song. This is our music team sharing Rachel Kurtz's Make a Difference.
Amen. I invite you to be seated. Welcome again to the table at Central United Methodist Church. We are going to move into uh, a song um, through poetry, a song which has indeed um, made a difference. And first, we're going to shift and move into prayer through poetry, which comes to us from Chloe McKellier. Chloe serves as our cultivator for a sustainable future here at the table, watching over our ministries of both Table Farm and Table Bread. She has been inspired this week, as so many people in the world have, by a song called Lift Every Voice by James Weldon Johnson. She has created a poem out of the inspiration of that song. And so the way we're going to move into prayer this morning is a little different than we have. We're going to see the lyrics first and just invite us in a moment to stand and be in a spirit of prayer. We'll see the lyrics. These were written actually in 1900. They were written in 1900 by James Weldon Johnson and the music by his brother. This song um, was initially shared they copied 500 copies of the song and shared it with 500 young black children in Jacksonville where it was sung for the very first time and then it spread over the coming decades throughout the South as a song of liberation for the black community and then across the whole country eventually becoming known not necessarily as Lift Every Voice but as the Black National Anthem. So um, some of us come from spaces where we have not sung this song on a regular basis. And Pastor Linda, when she moved to Berkeley, she was just sharing as we were in prayer in the sixth grade. This was the song they sang to open assembly every week in that high school. And so I invite you to stand as you're willing and able. And we're going to first prepare our hearts and minds to move into that song by seeing the words written in 1900 and then hearing Chloe's reflective prayer and then moving into song. So let us be in a spirit of prayer. The waking world was of Tehom. The waking world was of depth. And the path has been long, the sculpting of cliffs and the evolution of creation treacherous. But you are nowhere but here. The lover who does not leave when rock sheds the child who crafts sand caves on a shore of shredded certainty. Can I be true to this? Can I be true to you and is being true to you to be of the land? To pick up this dirt and cloak it on my shoulders and to name the billions of beings that make up this body the way you became native to humanity and saw those siblings fishing and saw them. And they came running because they were seen. In the scene, they heard the echo of truth. Welcome. You've always been because I've always been and what a miracle that you are here now. And day and night dance, born of pregnant complexity, born of unbound waters and goodness. The cling of evil amidst the refrain of awe can feel like a mess. I know. Tuck yourself into my shadow and be bold. You are of the deep. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmony. 
Thank you. Wow, that song. Welcome. My name is Sarnit Prasad, and I'm our Sunday morning coordinator here at the table. We're grateful to be together this morning as we move through three weeks worship series called Yes to the Mess. I would like to welcome again and thank Pastor Mike Harrell for leading us today. For those of us gathering online at thetable.live, Chloe is with you as our host this morning. Please message her in the chat for any questions or need assistance. On this Marty, 
Martin Luther Day. I'm really sorry about my pronunciation. <laughs> Junior weekend, we want to lift up two ways for those to reach in love. First, because of our phenomena, generosity of our community of faith, we're able to make a gift of 5,000 to support habitant of humanity built for unity. We will have a team from the table walking along other communities of faith on February 2nd, 3rd, and 5th. Please learn more and sign up for our limited opening online today. For another opportunity for you to consider will take place tomorrow while we will be relocating Table Farm. In the coming year, we have received confirmation that we will stay in our current location in the Hollywood Park until early in the fall. That is a great news, right? <laughs> it means we will prepare for spring planting and harvest this year. So in addition to our weekly Tuesday and Saturday volunteer shift at the Table Farm, we will also have a special community volunteer shift in the celebration on Martin Luther Day. Life and legacy from 10 a.m. to noon tomorrow. We hope you will join us in leading the land together in preparation for spring planting. Today's bulletin is available with the QR code for those in the century, and a link will be shared for those online. If you would like to learn more about our community of faith, please text the word NEW to the number on the screen. When you feel ready to connect with others, learn more about the table, our course pastors lead series called Growing in Faith, which is designed to help newcomers learn more about how we share life here at the table. Our next Growing in Faith series will be held on Saturday, Sunday evening, and will begin February 26th. Learn more and sign up online at tableumc.org. I invite you to stand as you're willing and able as we, we continue to move in worship with our music team sharing a version of Corey Harry fighting for peace. People, believe me, I know life can be so happy, but you're not alone. You gotta get up, there's no time for pulling down. We gotta move on, we can't give up now.
Good morning. Right now, as our musicians help us with some walking music, I want to invite our children to move with our teachers upstairs to our Godly Play Sanctuary. Godly Play is our ministry with children on Sunday mornings. Storytellers share stories from scripture and invite children to wonder about the mystery and love of God. While we have loving and professional care for our youngest children in the A-frame throughout our worship, Godly Play is designed for children in elementary school. Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 to 23, and we invite you to follow along. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake, in the, ter in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Good morning, everyone. It is uh, good to be with you. I've actually, over the past year and a half that I have been uh, outside of local church ministry, I've had the opportunity to actually be with you on a number of occasions in worship, uh, mostly online, but a few times actually here in person uh, with, with my family. And so when Matt reached out to me last month and asked if I would be willing to preach a Sunday after the first of the year, I said, sure, absolutely, no problem. And then I proceeded to ask him if he and Linda had an idea yet of what the, the focus of the theme might be. And Matt said, oh yeah, we do. It's what a mess people's lives are and we thought you'd be perfect. <laughs> In spite of that, I still agreed to do it, <laughs> in large part because I realized that this would be a low-pressure gig. <laughs> because if I totally tank, and Matt and Linda both think that my sermon is a dumpster fire, all I have to say is, I was just trying to maintain the integrity of the theme. <laughs> Speaking of dumpster fires,
appreciate about that image is that it's kind of a lighthearted, maybe even whimsical way of speaking a truth that is often hard. And it's hard because, as a rule, we don't like messes. And when we hear the word mess, we often, almost automatically, think of other words. Words like ineffective, incompetent, lazy, ambivalent, uninvested. And so when someone implies or points out that something that we have been involved with was a mess, whether it's a gathering we planned, a meeting we facilitated, a personal relationship that we are part of, or even a physical space that we occupy, we hear that as an insult and we react defensively. Now, this is a dynamic that John the Baptist was acutely aware of. Because John's entire ministry was about calling out, pointing out the moral, ethical, spiritual, social mess of his time and place. And it did not endear him to very many people, particularly people in positions of power and authority, the people who had their hands on the levers of the systems and the institutions that controlled and defined communal life. And so it shouldn't be at all shocking for us to hear in the opening lines of today's passage that John is imprisoned by one of those persons in a position of power and authority for calling out the mess. It's also safe to assume that John's arrest creates a mess, creates a mess for his own followers, his, his own disciples who are now leaderless, but particularly creates a mess for Jesus, who's just at the cusp, the beginning point of his public ministry. And John is supposed to be his precursor. John's ministry is the ministry upon which Jesus' ministry is supposed to be founded. So John's arrest and imprisonment creates a very real, very present, very immediate mess for Jesus. And I, I think that's probably in part why Jesus chooses to relocate from Nazareth to Galilee. To give himself a little bit of geographic distance from the mess that John's arrest has created. But the text tells us that not long after relocating to Galilee, Jesus embarks upon a very public, very visible recruitment campaign for his own movement. Now here's the interesting thing. As Jesus goes around, village to village, community to community, person to person, trying to recruit individuals to his movement, he leaves a series of tremendous messes in his wake. again and again and again. 
one thing that the Gospels are clear about is that, that Jesus feels a very present sense of urgency when it comes to his understanding of his own calling. And that urgency is transferred to his call to others to follow him. So Jesus, as he's going around recruiting people, does not say, hey, I'd like you to come follow me. Come be a part of my movement. Think about it for a couple weeks. Pray over it. Talk to your friends and family about it and let me know. And if you need a little more time, no worries. Just follow that road. I'll be a couple towns away and you can meet up with me then. I don't think so. For Jesus, the call, his call, and his call to us requires an immediate response. The call to follow is right here right now. So think about that. Think about the utter mess created by those people who are willing to answer that call affirmatively. Think about the mess left behind in relation to their families, their friends, their neighbors, their vocations, whatever roles and responsibilities they may have had in their community. Imagine the ripple effect of that mess. Think of it this way. Think of sending a text at 10.30 this morning your family, your friends, your co-workers, neighbors, people who count on you, and saying, hey, I met this really cool guy named Mike at church today, and he asked me to be part of his movement, and I said yes, so we're going to hit the road in 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't know when or if I'll be back. Peace out. Or maybe even more to the point, Imagine someone close to you, someone you count on, you depend on, sending you that message. Talk about a mess. And we're not talking garden variety, clean up on aisle three kind of mess. We're talking about dumpster fire in a flood level mess. And this reveals a truth about following Jesus that I don't think we often like to consider. And that is this, that following Jesus, if we do it right, if we do it with integrity and passion and commitment, following Jesus is inherently messy. It's inherently messy. And we don't like to think of it that way because if anything, we like to think of Jesus as the one who comes along and cleans up our mess. Not the one who goes around contributing to the messes. And yet there it is. So what do we do with that? What do we do with this idea of Jesus as mess maker? Well, I think one thing we do is we realize that there are different kinds of mess, different qualities of mess. There's the mess that John the Baptist railed against. I like to think of that as an unholy mess or unholy messes. Messes that have the ability to actually undermine God's best intentions for us and for creation. 
and unholy messes need to be called out. They need to be pointed out. They need to be named. They need someone that's willing to stand up and say, hey, clean that up. And we know Jesus himself did his own share of that throughout his ministry, naming, pointing out, calling out those same kinds of unholy messes that undermined God's intentions. But the mess and the messes that Jesus makes are different. I like to think of those messes as righteous messes. The type of mess that disrupts the status quo in a way that allows for God's intentions to emerge, perhaps in a way that would otherwise not have been possible otherwise. If you wanted to think of maybe a more contemporary equivalent to the idea of a righteous mess, we might think of the concept of good trouble, right? Born of the civil rights movement, often referenced by the late congressman and civil rights leader, John Lewis. So as followers of Jesus, we need to be able not only to simply say yes to the inherent mess of being a disciple of Christ, but it also means we have to be willing to say yes to being mess makers sometimes, righteous mess makers. Because sometimes, sometimes, order and cleanliness are just a cover for injustice, oppression, and control. Amen. In those short years of ministry, the urgency with which Jesus moved into that righteous messmaking and called the unholy mess for what it was, led that unholy mess to move in and enclose around him. And it was in that um, that Jesus could have done any number of things, given people clear routes through when the unholy mess becomes too big and too much, do A, B, and C, or the living into the righteous mess, the good trouble, do these four things. But instead, what Jesus did was pause and sat down, sat down. In their day, we might imagine like tables with chairs and seated around one another, and, and Jesus did that with his closest friends in their day, reclining on the ground. Like, can you imagine the intimacy? That's how we usually talk about it. I think it's also true. Can you imagine the mess? And said, this is the practice that I want you to come back to over and over and over and over again as you live into what it means to follow me. And so we uh, today join with those long line of folks who have tried to move toward that righteous mess by letting go of things that are unholy. And we do that with what the church calls a prayer of confession. So I invite those that are online to join us and those here in the sanctuary, if you're willing and able, we invite you to stand. And we will acknowledge with one voice uh, what the church calls a prayer of confession. This is a way of naming together aloud the ways that we get caught up in those unholy messes all too often. So let us pray. Holy One, 
We confess our need for grace and mercy. We seek forgiveness for the ways in which we have drawn away from you and our neighbors. We express remorse for our participation in the systems of the world that are actively opposed to your kingdom. Transform us to be carriers and promoters of your good news of new life, liberation, and hope in the world. Amen. Friends, the God who says yes to a righteous mess looks upon your life, which might sometimes feel like its own mess, and sees belovedness, sees a child of God, holds you just as you are, and then calls you to follow. So may the love of God for the world and the love of God for you be felt and known in your heart and in your soul in this moment and in all the days of your life. Amen. Let us join now in the call and response which has become the way of the church throughout the generations to recognize and celebrate the presence of Christ within every neighbor. May the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. to join our voices together once more in prayer, praying the words that are attributed to Jesus, shared with those disciples who created a mess to follow him into a new mess. These um, words themselves reflect some of that mess. They've been passed down, changed, shifted over the time. The church calls this the, the Lord's Prayer, and we encourage you here at the table to address God in the way that is most intimate and true with your own language and own heart. So let us pray with one voice. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Pour out your spirit on us gathered in many places. 
pour out your spirit on the gifts before us. Make these gifts the body and love of Christ. Make us, through them, Christ's body alive in the world. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Here at the table, we practice what we call an open communion table. Each and every person is invited and welcomed to participate and to join at God's table in the sharing of the bread and the cup, all means all. We encourage those who are gathering at home to um, collect near to you whatever you might use today as your bread and your juice and to join with us in this sacred time as we move into communion together. For those of us here in the sanctuary, in just a moment, Sarnit and his team, we're going to practice this as we have been over the last year or so by moving outdoors. We'll have stations set up. Since it is wet right out these doors, we're going to move out those back doors. So we'll start from the back, moving this direction. And we want to encourage you to just hold. We realize that sometimes for folks coming into a sanctuary, this moment in worship can increase the anxiety. If we have not done this um, as a weekly practice, as many of us have not, it can make us concerned. And we want you to hear and to know and to trust that God's love for you invites you when you are ready to join with others in this practice. And so some of us might be trying this for the first time and others have made this a life commitment. This is a way, though, that we join our lives to one another and to God's love. And as Pastor Linda so often says, you really cannot make a mistake. So we will be in this together in God's divine dance, watching over one another in love. Um, Friends, this is the body of Christ, the bread of life broken for you. And this is the cup of God's love, the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins for all now and always. Amen.
Loving God, may your abundant grace sustain us in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. May your love connect us and send us into the world as your peacemakers and justice seekers that we might truly say yes to your call, living deeply within the folds of your love. Amen. We hope that you will continue to wonder about God's call in your life, about what it could look like to disrupt the unholy messes that are around us and sometimes within us to say yes to the righteous mess that God calls us to. We have a couple of ways that we want to encourage you, and one of those is the sharing of what we call deep commitments. This worship series and then the next series um, that'll be shaping around the writings of Father Richard Rohr and the Sermon on the Mount all come out of Linda and I listening in on the deep commitments that you all have shared. What you write on those helps us to better understand the things that we're working on together as a community, and those help us then to create worship that we hope touches into the relevant questions that we're living with on a daily basis. And so we encourage you, if you haven't already for this new year made a deep commitment to do that, to share generously, to help our ministries here at the table continue to lean fully into God's love, we have a shifts available for Habitat for Humanity on February 2nd, the 3rd, and the 5th. You'll find those on our website. There's a limited number of shifts, so if you'd like to join others here at the table alongside other communities of faith, we hope you'll go to the website and sign up today. We will be out at the farm tomorrow from 10 a.m. to noon for a special gathering. Usually we're there on Tuesdays and Saturdays. We'll be there tomorrow morning, Monday, recognizing and celebrating and living out Dr. King's uh, vision of beloved community as we gather to tend to the soil and prepare there. So if you're available and can come out to the farm tomorrow, you might want to bring rain gear with you. We will um, be moving around in the mud, and we would love to have you there with us. You can find information about that on the website as well. For those that are online, Chloe will be there for a moment. If you'd like to sign in, you can do that and connect with her by finding a seat in one of those virtual chairs and connect with others. Our musicians are going to send us out this morning in song, and Sarnit has a table. The communion bread was baked this morning by, I think this all came from Chloe and the team of folks that were volunteering yesterday over at Table Bread. And then outside, you will see uh, bread as well. I am forgetting what kind of bread was baked this morning, but it will be amazing. And someone, it's, maybe Jan knows. <laughs> There we go. Lucy's dads are coming this direction. Thank you. <laughs> I invite us all to stand as you're willing and able. We're going to go out in song together. This is our music team sharing a version of a song called Free by the Good Shepherd Collective.
trouble and make some righteous messes. Amen.